Hello, and welcome to Fine Wine, where I whine about media that may or may not have aged like fine wine. I am the invisible man that stands in the corner of your bathroom scared that you'll spot me when the water turns on for a shower and the water doesn't quite reach the wall, so it hits off my body. Um, and I have new episodes of Fine Wine coming out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, today I'm going to be discussing, well, whining about the 1941 film, comedy film, The Body Disappears. Now, this is a very separate entity from the Hitchcock film, The Lady Disappears, which is a film noir starring Margaret Lockwood. The Body Disappears, the film that I'm going to be discussing today, just in case there was any confusion when I was discussing that just now, well, saying that just now, um, because I'm a little bit scatterbrained at the mo. Um, the Body Disappears, comedy film 1941, stars Miss Jane Wyman, um, Ronald Reagan's first wife and the mother of his first two children, um, and Jeffrey Lynn, um, as well as Edward Everett Horton and Herbert Anderson. Um, now, Miss Jane Wyman, where did I first see Jane Wyman? I can't quite remember, but this was like the second or third film that I saw with Miss Jane Wyman. And Miss Jane Wyman, ooh, she's fun. She's like pretty fun actress. I like watching her, um, you know, but it's really funny that she was Ronald Reagan's first wife. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so... As you can probably infer, The Body Disappears is about um, a body that is not visible to the human eye, meaning that it is invisible, um, thus also referencing to my little intro where I said that I was an invisible man, because this film is about an invisible man. Um, so, you know. Also, th so Jane Wyman, this was, um, Jane Wyman was like a B-film actress um, so this is, like, before she got her big break in, um, Hollywood. So she was, like, this, oh, yeah, so this was before she was able to be, like, an A-list actress in, like, the films, like, Stage Fright, which was a Hitchcock film with Marlene Dietrich and stuff, where she was, like, the leading lady. Um, because The Body Disappears is a very B film. It's a very B movie film type thing. It's only 72 minutes long, um and not very star-studded, um, and yeah, you know, just sort of a film to be there as a film to occupy a space in the theater, methinks. Like, it wasn't made for any accolades or anything, it was just made to be, to be there. Um, it was there to fill up bodies. <laughs> um, so I guess now I'll start talking about the actual content of the film. Um, so we're with these dudes at a bachelor party. Um, it's like in a hotel and there's this dude, Mr. Peter DeHaven. Um, and Mr. Peter, he is, he's the guy that's there that it's his bachelor party because he's getting married to a woman named Miss Christine. Um, so he's at this bachelor party and he ends up getting like so shit faced, but at the party they have some guys on the ukulele. It's like a Hawaii themed party. Um, bachelor party. So they have like hula dancers on the table and stuff. Um, the ukulele players look bored as hell in the back. Um, but somebody comes into the bachelor party and like starts like, 
swinging, like starts throwing hands at um, Mr. Peter DeHaven. Um, and the ukulele players, they finally look interested in something, which is like, me too. Like, when you're hired to do like bachelor party in like a hotel, um, there's one of two things that can happen. It can either be super drama full and fun to watch, or it can be boring as hell. Luckily, these uke players and the hula dancers on the table, um, they got the former. They got the drama-filled event. Um, so this guy that comes in, I think he's the um, Mr. Peter's fiance's ex. And he's like, oh my god, how did you why steal my woman? But Mr. Peter, he's like, I don't care. So he and his friends like literally pick up this dude and like throw him out of the room. Um, but Mr. Peter, he gets more even, even more shit-faced. And he ends up um, getting conked out because he drinks so much alcohol. Um, now his friends, um, do decide, hmm, while they're taking him back to his home, they pass through college campus and they decide, do you know what would be really funny? Um, if we put this guy in the morgue, you know, (laughs) so his friends end up putting Mr. Peter DeHaven's unconscious body onto one of the morgue's tables, one of the Bodhi tables, um... So, you know, very fun practical jokes there. My first question is, why do they have a morgue on the campus? And, like, yeah, why do they have a morgue on the campus? And why do they just, like, leave? Because there's, like, a body next next to Peter once they put him in. Like, why did you leave the body out overnight? That doesn't seem very healthy. And also, why was the window open to the morgue? Again. But... Um, after Mr. Peter gets laid down in the morgue, we have Professor Schotesbury, um, who comes into the morgue. He works at the college, um, as, like, um, a professor. He's there doing his research and his lecturing. So he walks into this, um, morgue dissection room, whatever, and he sees the body. And he's like, oh my god, there's another body. How good for me. Now, he gets his little injection site ready, um, and he gets ready to inject Mr. Peter's body with a serum. Now, for some reason, Mr. Professor Schotesbury does not check Mr. Peter's body for a pulse. I mean, if you go into, like, a morgue or something, like, I get that you're probably not expecting there to be any pulses on the bodies, but if the body is, like, new like you haven't seen it before wouldn't you like touch it to make sure that it's not like a still living person like what if somebody just decided to take a nap on one of those tables um especially if you're like doing this in the middle of the night like somebody is going to be like looking for a body if you didn't know that the body was there before but mr Shotesbury, he doesn't like do any of this stuff so he's just like going along with it and he injects this Dude, Mr. Peter with the serum, and the serum ends up turning the body invisible, making the body disappear. Um, so, you know, as you do. So, Mr. Schotesbury, he's like, oh my god, it worked, the body's invisible. But then, Mr. Dude, Mr. Peter, he wakes up. Um, and Mr. Peter, he's like, what the hell, why am I invisible? Mr. Professor, he's like, oh, 
you're alive. I didn't expect that. I guess this is good because it's my first time trying it on like an alive human. Like, okay. You do you, babe. Um, but we have Mr. Professor. He's like, okay, well, let's get you out of this morgue because you're not actually dead. And let's take you back to my house because... Because um, also, so the clothes that Mr. Peter is wearing do not disappear. So he has to actually, like, strip naked to actually get the full invisible effect. So he literally strips so that he's fully invisible. Um and he ends up going with Mr. Shotesbury to the Shotesbury household. Um, and there we end up meeting Miss um, Miss Joan Shotesbury, who's Jane Wyman. Now, Miss Joan, she is she wears very fun outfits throughout of this um, throughout this film. Um, so, you know, like. Where are we? Yeah. So, Miss Jane is wearing... Well, she comes downstairs in a robe, and she's like, What are you doing so late, Dad? Um, And the dad's like, Oh, no, don't worry about it. So, Miss Joan, she goes back upstairs, um, back in her robe. But then the next morning, she ends up hearing some, like, clattering around in her dad's lab. So, she's like, What's going on? I'm gonna go check on it. So, she goes into the lab in her outfit this time. She's wearing, like... A God Bless America outfit, like the flag is on her shirt, and then she also has like it's like a pantsuit sort of, but the flag outfit, the flag mm, motifs are on the shirt and the pants, so like the stars and the stripes. Like Miss Thing really said, God Bless America, um, land of the free, from sea to shining sea, and the grain something something in the purple mountains majesty um so she really was like you know what i'm gonna be wearing this now it's really giving me 2012 american eagle outfitters or 2012 brandy melville um very much that so she was very much ahead of her time by like how many years is that 40s 60s so she's like 70 years ahead of the trends you go, Miss Thing. You go, girl. Miss Jane Wyman setting trends. Um, so we also get to meet um, this dude named Mr. George Doc. His, well, his nickname is Doc. Um, he's a very, like, scaredy-cat dude, and he was helping Mr. Professor get the body from the morgue. Um, and he's, like, very scaredy-cat. But he's doing it, he's like helping the professor because the professor is like, I'm going to give you like extra credit if you help. So he does it. Um, and he's like the assistant to the professor most of the time. And so Miss Joan ends up seeing Mr. Doc and Mr. Peter Invisible in the, um, what is it? In the, in the home lab. And she's like, oh my God, what the hell's happening here? Um, Miss, Miss Joan looking hot and young, um, you know, as she does. And then Miss, not Miss, Mr. Doc still being like, oh, just don't pay attention to this, please, you know. Um, but, um, wait, what the hell? George Doc. No, George Doc is not 
the assistant. The assistant is actually Willie. I can't believe I forgot that. Mr. Willie. Um, Willie's the guy that's like a scary cat. Doc is another dude entirely. Um, it's because Mr. Willie, even though he serves like, um, a pretty big, um, point, he's a pretty big character in the film. Like he shows up a lot, um, throughout the film. Like I would say aside from Jane Wyman and Jeffrey Lynn, he is probably the third most prolific actor in this film, Mr. Willie Best, but he's only, um, billed way after, like, everybody else, which I can only assume to be racism, because Mr. Willie is black, so, like, hmm, you know, hmm, very sus, very not, um, very not the vibe 1940s Hollywood, but, you know, what can you do at this point in time? Um, but, so what happens next, so Mr. Willie and Mr. Peter, they are, like, going around town, but Joan joins them, um, because what else is she gonna do? She apparently doesn't do anything that's, like, yeah, she apparently, like, doesn't do anything. She doesn't, like, have a job or go to school or do anything. She's just, like, hanging around the house. So she's like, oh, I'll tag along with you guys. Um, but, like, Willie ends up driving the car with Mr. Peter in it because if Peter were to drive it, it would just be, like, invisible guy and the car lo- would look like it was driving itself. But the thing is, Mr. Peter has to, like, still stay completely naked when he's sitting on the leather seats of the car. Um... And Mr. Willie, he looks at this while it's happening and he makes the correct face. He's like, oh man, what the hell is happening? Um, like, right thing to do. Um, so they end up going to the hotel where Mr. Peter was staying at the previous day because that's where his bachelor party was and that's where his um, fiance's bridal suite is. Um, because Mr. Peter, he's going back to see his fiance and be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, but I'm invisible, so we have to postpone the wedding. Um, so he ends up going into the bridal suite, sneaking in, carrying his suitcase. Well, he ends up being like, I can't, like, actually see her right now, so I'm gonna, like, pack some clothes. So he ends up packing a suitcase, but when he's in the room packing, um, his fiance, Christine, comes in, um... And Mr. Thing, he's like, oh shit, I'm almost caught. But wait a minute, I'm invisible, so I just have to not make any noise. So he is standing in the room where his fiance is, and she ends up getting a visitor. And this visitor is um, her beau, not her fiance, but her secret, um, her secret love, Miss some some dude. Some other random dude that she's cheating on her fiancé with, and she ends up discussing with that dude, I'm only marrying Mr. Peter for his money, blah, blah, blah. Very convenient that Mr. Peter is in the room while this is happening, so, um, you know, get to save time on that. And while he's invisible, Mr. Peter, he ends up punching the paramour in the face, and um, they're just like, what the hell happened? They are like don't suspect anything weird, and he's just like, why did I just get punched out of nowhere? What happened to me? But the dude gets freaked out and runs out, um, and Mr. Mr. Peter, he ends up getting rightfully pissed, so he, like, throws his suitcase that he's packing 
down on the ground making a big noise and the clothes like flood out and he just storms out like yeah obviously you do that if you're you just found out that your fiance was not only cheating on you but also marrying you only for the money um that's not very the vibe so he leaves um and he is intent on breaking up with christine um so he goes back to the Shotesbury house but while he was gone Miss Joan accidentally lets out the invisible monkey that was the previous test test subject of her father's invisible serum. She ends up accidentally letting him out the door to the lab and the front door was open so the monkey ends up escaping. Um, So Mr. Peter comes back and when he comes back, the professor also comes back. Um, But... The professor is like, oh my god, who left the door open? I have to go find this invisible monkey. So Peter and Joan are left alone. And this is where they have a little bonding time where they end up falling in love. Um, So they're like having a good time being... Well, she's... Is he... I think he's supposed to still be naked at this point when they're sitting on the couch next to each other. Which is, like, sort of awkward. That's sort of awkward, I think. Um, But while the professor's outside looking for the invisible monkey, this is sort of a B-plot that's going on. So he, like, is shouting around, looking for the monkey, shouting the monkey's name. Um, But the neighbors, which is another professor, because they live on the campus, but in, like, a little campus community, um, one of the professors ends up hearing Professor Shrewsbury shouting out for the monkey's name. Um, and the professor is like eavesdropping on it with his wife and they're like, what the hell is going on? Um, and as a good neighbor, as this professor is, he ends up going over the hedge and going like, what are you looking for? And Mr. Professor Shotesbury is like, I'm looking for my invisible monkey. Um, and he has like a cage. So he ends up coaxing the monkey into the cage. But obviously, since it's invisible, the other professor, the neighbor, he doesn't see anything happening. And he's like... Um, this dude must be, like, going wild. He must be going crazy. So he ends up bringing this up to his colleagues, like, the dean of the school and the other professors. Which is, like, sort of a low blow. Like, sort of, like, hmm, I don't know, sort of rude. So Mr. Shotesbury Professor, he is taken to the dean and has to be like, I'm not crazy. I do have an invisible monkey. Um... But while this is happening, like, the other professors are like, no, you are sort of losing it because you're talking about invisible monkeys. Um, Because he brought the invisible monkey with him. But obviously, since since it's invisible, they all are just looking at him like he's a crazy guy, like he's taking shrooms or something. Um, So, like, they are, he's, like, telling the monkey to do stuff like, throwing snacks at the monkey, but he, the monkey ends up just ignoring him, um, so it may, it does make him look, like, super crazy, um, so they end up sentencing him to go commit to a sanitarium, so Mr. Peter and Miss Joan find out about this while they're having their little canoodling session, and they're like, oh my god, why are they sending him to a sanitarium? Because we need him to help us be not invisible, um, because, If they stay invisible, I think, for 24 hours, then they end up 
permanently invisible, which just isn't really what they want. That's not what they foresee in their future. Um, so Mr. Peter is like, I have to go help your dad. But Miss Joan is like, not without me or not. So Mr. Willie, um, he ends up helping Joan inject herself with the invisible serum. Um, and this is where we get a little cute part. So Mr. Peter and Miss Joan jump into the car and then Willie gets into the back seat of the car. Um, so we have a naked invisible dude and Joan, um, who's at the moment just a floating bra. Then we have Willie in the back seat. So they take off driving with Peter driving. But when they're going to the sanitarium, the police end up wee-woo-wee-wooing because obviously nobody's driving a car and they see that. Um, so Mr. Willie, he has to jump into the front seat and he ends up having to sit on the naked invisible man's lap to be like, oh yeah, we're driving the car all right. Uh, ha 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 ha. Um, again, he has to sit on a naked man's lap. Um, that's pretty funny. That's like good humor there. Um, but they end up getting to the sanitarium and while they're also, also while they're driving, Joan just whips off her bra and throws it behind her. So now this lady Joan, she's also her toddies are free and in the wind. Um, not that you can actually see them, but I just thought that's like pretty like revolutionary for the forties, having a woman like just rip her bra off while they're on the road. Like wow. Um, and it ends up actually flying into Willie's face because he's in the backseat and he's like, ew. And he ends up being like nasty and throwing it out the car again. Um, but Miss, um, Miss Joan and Mr. Peter end up making it to the sanitarium and they're able to get Mr. Professor Shotesbury out by sneaking him out and he's, they're able to get him back to the house lab and they're able to get him to make an antidote. So Miss Joan and Peter are no longer invisible, but also they're naked. So they both rush to like cover themselves up, which is also again, pretty funny. Um, and then we have, again, Miss Joan comes down the stairs after she gets changed and she is in another great outfit. It's like a silk, um, it's a silk suit with silk quilting on the outside. And on the exterior, there are triangular jacket pockets. So like on the corners of the jacket, there's like folded, they're like, how do I explain it? So mm, triangular pockets where the corners of the jacket are. I don't know if you can like imagine that, but if you're imagining it right, then pat on the back to you if you can't then that's just my fault because I don't even know how to explain it really because they're this outfit is very like mm, this is out there for the 40s and even out there for time time period now temporally at the moment it's very out there still um which is pretty crazy because again this is a b-movie they didn't have like the top designers on set they didn't have like the top fashion trends they just went with like whatever was in the um studio warehouse which you can tell for some of the outfits like the american flag outfit like what the hell was that but the silk suit outfit now that is something but miss joan and mr peter they end up falling since they ended up falling in love earlier they're actually able to be together and it turns out 
well, we already been new, but Mr. Peter, he's like super rich because he's like a tennis player, I think. And like a super successful one at that. So that's why he's rich. Um, so they end up getting married at the end. But for funsies, they do this invisible serum again and end up getting naked. And as a little funny bit, she takes off her bra again. And that's how the film ends. The end. Um, I would say it's a, since it's a pretty short film, only 72 minutes, I mean, it's like pretty funny, um, especially for like 1940s humor. Um, it's, 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 it's a film that you can watch without being mad at yourself for having watched it or regretting that you had watched it. It's like a very mid film. I would say enjoyment on a scale would probably be like 55 or 60 because it's just like very, it's not amazing. It's not bad. It's just middling, middle of the road. It's a B film. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, um, I would say if you want to see abnormally good outfits and outfits that don't really fit the time period, even the outfits that don't fit the time period because they look like they're outfits from like the nineties or the eighties, um, from, but they're actually from the forties. I would say watch this film because that's what all of Jane Wyman's outfits look like in this film. It's super weird. Makes me think like there's some heebie-jeebie, hoodoo-woodoo-woodoo magic going on that like sent back the outfits for Charlie's Angels series 1976 to the set of The Body Disappears, which is like, yeah. Um, maybe it's because Ronald Reagan was her first husband. Maybe he did some magic or something that ended up sending the 80s outfits back to this. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here, but it's a fun film. I would say watch it if you can. Watch it if you don't watch it if you can't as well. I mean, it's really up to you. If you're a big fan of Jane Wyman, or if you want to watch like um, films that are, hmm, well, yeah, Jane Wyman, she, I would say, watch it for Jane Wyman, um, especially if you're interested in her. But also, it's really funny because the main dude of the film, literally, I, I don't know, maybe he was too ugly to have, like, his um, face on screen the whole time, because literally more than half the film, he's invisible. I would be offended if I were him. If I were Jeffrey Lynn, I would be offended. Um, but yeah, anyway... That is The Body Disappears 1941, and I'll wind to you next time.